Hi guys, this is Jess. And I'm Heidi. <laughs> I messed up! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, no, we're starting again. Okay. <laughs> what do I normally say? Hi, this is- I'm Jess? I think so. Hi oh, guys, I'm Jess, and I say, hey, I'm Heidi. I think that's it. Oh god, alright. Let's just start again. Okay. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And welcome to another episode of Betty Squared. Today we are looking at Chapter 76, the season finale for um, Season 4 of Riverdale. And the episode title is Killing Mr. Honey. Now, I looked it up on IMDb. It obviously doesn't have a film with a similar name, which it could have been inspired by or anything like that. But... Watching this episode, I don't know if you've ever seen this film, Heidi. Um, it reminded me a lot of the movie Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Have you seen that? No, I have not. That that's, doesn't sound familiar. Okay, well, no problem. It was a film that came out in 1999. Uh, it starred Katie Holmes, Barry Watson, and Helen Mirren, believe it or not. I think this is, I mean, she's always been a big name, Helen Mirren, but I think this is really before her career started to skyrocket. So the film is about uh, the story of these kids who are sick of living under this like dictatorship of this teacher, Mrs. Tingle, who is played by Helen Mirren. So they decide one night to go to their, go to her house and plead for her to give them a pass on this assignment that's due. And what happens is similar to this episode of Riverdale, everything kind of goes awry and they end up having to tie up Mrs. Tingle until they decide what to do with her. So as I watched this episode of Riverdale, Killing Mr. Honey, I was like, this is teaching Mrs. Tingle, but on an extreme version. They never kill their teacher. They just kind of tie her up and try to reason with her, but it doesn't kind of work. And then she gets out and havoc ensues. It's a really good movie. If you like 90s films, this is the epitome of it. And this is when Katie Holmes was like going through her good girl phase where she, you know, she was playing Joey on Dawson's Creek, who was like, you know, uh, a girl from the wrong side of tracks, but really studious and things like that. She plays that kind of character in this uh, movie, Mrs. Teaching Mrs. Tingle. So yeah, it's a good one. Um, it's nothing to write home about, but I personally saw a lot of ties between the this episode in that film. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I usually don't look up like the titles because uh, I I leave that to your wisdom. Um, but this time I was like, if they if this was like such a like it would have been such an interesting consistency like thing if they had planned to have this episode and name him Mr. Honey, you know, because it was referenced in a movie. Like, that's such, like, a long, I want to say, like, long con, but it's not, like, a con, but it's, like, that's such a long plan that would have been really impressive. But, yeah, obviously, it's not. So I did look it up to see because I was, like, I would be really impressed if that was the if that was the case. Well, it's really interesting as well because when I looked it up in IMDb, I typed in the title Killing Mr. Honey and Teaching Mrs. Tingle actually came up. Even though there's no one in that film that's called Honey, the storylines, while similar, are not the same. They travel off in different paths. It was interesting that IMDb connected that with this film of the same name. So interesting. Sorry, not of the same name, of um, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, that is. So yeah, just interesting. But if you go and watch this film, I'd love to chat with you to see how you felt that they were similar or different afterwards. Yeah, that m maybe that's uh, a movie we can watch for a podcast episode now Now that we are once again on a hiatus. <laughs> I know. I mean, Riverdale likes to take these little hiatuses, but this season has been a mess. Like one second it's not on because of the football, but then the football got cancelled, so they brought an episode back. Then it's not on randomly one week. Now we've got the finale. It was all very jarring, but 
this whole season was kind of jarring. So I guess it's kind of fitting. Um, hopefully when season five premieres, which obviously they don't have an air date because of everything that's going on in the world at the moment. But when season five does air, it's going to be really interesting to see if they go for consistency this season as far as their air dates. But I mean, I know a lot of that is out of their control, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. This uh, this season as a whole from start to now was, and that's been true of many seasons, uh, but it's really been all over the place in terms of airing. Uh, although this episode and the last few episodes were thrown off for COVID-19 or because of COVID-19. So we can't blame them on that. And I, I think we talked about it last week. Um, but I was very curious about like, if this was intended to be the finale, although I felt like it really probably wasn't and et cetera, et cetera. And I looked it up and it was not meant to be the finale. This was not the actual written finale for season four, but it was, wait, are we on season four or five? We are on season four. Okay. (laughs) I should trust my gut. Um, this was not the intended finale for season four, but it was the forced finale because it was probably the last full episode that they had. And if not the last full episode that they had filmed, then it's probably the one that had a better ending to it, um, which we'll talk about. Okay. That makes me feel better about what I saw. I really enjoyed this episode, but it was not a finale and it wasn't it could potentially actually be, um, you know, the the prelude to an actual finale. But in terms of the finales we saw from season one, two, three, and now obviously four, it, I mean, season four just, just didn't compare with the finales or the, the prelude to the finales from any of the prior seasons. So good. I feel better about this episode knowing it was not the intended finale. Yeah, I think this wasn't even like the penultimate. I think, and this was episode 19 in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, yeah. Uh, and usually they have like 22 to 24 episodes in a season, except for the first. Um, so I think there were at least at least three more episodes that were intended for this season. Um, so yeah, definitely not a real finale by any means, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I think if we had to leave off on any point, this is a fine one to leave off on. Yeah, I don't know how I feel. I liked the episode, but the thing is with the way that the world is at the moment and with self-isolation, yes, things are slowly starting to reopen, but I realistically don't think we will get season five until like a year from now. Uh, I think it will take, I mean, they were still in production for five. And if this is all they had before they stopped production, realistically, you're looking about maybe eight months at a minimum before that next episode airs. So yeah, do you have any updates on that? Do you know any more information about air dates? I do not. But I I agree. I just knowing how things are going right now, also working um, in entertainment, uh, I don't think they're going to get back onto a set just because of the sheer amount of people that are needed on a set for film and television to produce a show. Like not just cast, but like crew and everything else. It's so many people... I'm just thinking of like the, the cleanliness of a set and things like that. I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to, to, yeah, to start filming again for a while. You know what would be really, really cool? What? If they somehow, it would have to be done very, very cleverly, but I'm sure they could do it. And I'm sure Riverdale is the right avenue for this. I bet they could film something on their iPhones and call it like a Facebook Live or a social media live episode where they'd still be able to use the sets, but they're not relying on things like gaffers and grips for, you know, your lighting and your um, electricity and your cameraman because they're just using iPhones. And it could be more of like a social experiment episode versus an actual continuation of the storyline perhaps it could be like hey guys it's Jughead and I'm going behind the scenes to try and uh work out 
who the voyeur is. So the whole episode is just like Jughead on his like handheld camera or something recording his day's journey. I, I think they'd have to be very clever about it, but I think they'd be able to nail it. I think it would be very good. Yeah, that might be interesting. Uh, a lot of people are attempting to do things like that, uh, you know, right now with stuff. Uh, that's not something I necessarily want to see too much, but I mean, if it I, if it came out, I would watch it. It it does feel weird to think about uh, Jughead as a vlogger of sorts. <laughs> that doesn't quite work for me in my mind. Him doing we've seen him do documentary stuff, of course, so that that's totally a way he could do it. But for him to like turn the camera around, and be like, "What's up, Riverdale?" <laughs> Like, I think for him, that doesn't quite work. Maybe Kevin. Right. I was just about to say, you're right. The only way I think if they had Jughead, and I was using him as a hypothetical, but I think the only way they could have Jughead being the voice of this documentary or expose episode is if he detailed, like, Charles has asked me to document everything I do all day when it comes to, you know, doing these videos. So, hey, I've got Ethel from the AV club recording me or following me around today. And then she can turn it around and be like, hi. And then it goes back to the Jughead. Right. So we know the voyeur is blah, 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 blah. Oh, I should write this and try and sell it to them. This sounds fun. I'm getting way too involved. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe don't expose any more of your story. You don't want anyone to steal it. Watch this space is all I'm going to say. <laughs> regardless as soon as we have more information about when season five is is going to air we will let you guys know um if you are as big a fanatics as we are about the show you will probably find out the information at the exact t- same time as us uh we certainly don't have any ins or anything like that um but we'll do our due diligence and make sure that everybody is on the same page Where would you like to start with this episode, Heidi? Because I don't actually have that many notes, even though I relatively enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I have the same thing. I didn't write. This is probably the, like, least amount of notes I've ever written for an episode, maybe. But I did enjoy it, most of it. Um, My first note is just, Madchen directed this episode. Isn't that so cool? Wait, what? How did I miss that? I had no idea she directed this. Yeah, I well, you you tend to avoid like spoilers and things like that. So uh, since I'm much more open to them, they just tend to be on my feed, my social media feeds and stuff like that. They tend to pop up more. So maybe that's why. But yeah, this was her direct directorial debut, which I think is really cool. And I wrote that note as my first note and then wanted to see how it was going to go. But like, spoiler alert, I think she did an awesome job as a director. Yeah, so I now knowing that, it makes me love this episode even more because a lot of my notes are actually stylistic choices I really enjoyed for this episode. So good on her. My God, she's so young. To have that credit as a director under her belt, uh, and yeah, she nailed it. Good for her. To be clear, I said Madchen, so Alice. Oh, God. Alice, not Cheryl. Oh, God. That would have been very impressive for Madeline to do. <laughs> I was like, damn. Well, even still, okay, take away the, the younger side of, of the comment. I still think she nailed it because stylistically, I love stuff for this episode. Um, So good for her. Yeah, that was my first note. What about yours? So... Like I mentioned, I don't have that many notes, which is weird because I did like this episode. I think just consistently in the back of my head, I had that little voice being like, this is the finale. This is not good as a finale. This is the finale. This is not good as the finale. That was kind of being my inner critic. But the first note that I took was um, not really based on anything. I mean, they must have mentioned something about Yale because it sparked this thought in my head. So, okay. Oh, that's right. When Jughead finds out that uh, the University of Iowa are interested in him. So I'm a little bit confused. Initially, Yale turned Betty down because they didn't want somebody who came from this renowned serial killer uh, associated with their school. So she was rejected. 
then Jughead staged his his death and his position was given to Betty. Now, did Jughead just not have any plan to ever go to Yale? Because he now seems pretty hell-bent on going to the University of Iowa. And did Yale just change their mind about Betty? I'm just really confused about how that all sort of came to pass. It kind of seems like Betty's cheated, even though she hasn't. Yeah, it is weird. I was thinking about that too. So yeah, so they t- they passed on Betty, but I don't think they said specifically it's because who your dad is, but I think that was implied. Um, I think they used that as an excuse, even though she was very qualified to attend. Um, so they passed on her, chose Jughead. He seemed excited to go. And then, yeah, he died. His spot got given to Betty. I would definitely assume that Jughead was just like, yeah, of course you keep it. You've wanted to go to Yale for your like most of your life or whatever. Um, I can definitely see that for Jughead. It was just a conversation they chose not to show us, which I think is a bummer. I think that would have been an interesting conversation, especially if that was, you know, it maybe would have made the fight about... Um, in the, uh, oh my god, words are escaping me. In the musical episode, it would have made their fight maybe have more ground if that was a part of it. Some guilt or shame or whatever going on about that whole college situation. Um, maybe Betty feeling like she needed to overcompensate for Jughead to help him get into a good school because she took his spot. It does seem weird that they didn't then go, oh, you're not dead. Take your spot back. But the other thing I have is what about... Brett, or whatever his name was, um, is he still going to Yale? Is Betty going to be going to Yale with that dickhead? Like, I feel like after everything that happened, he probably shouldn't go to Yale anymore. I feel like they should take his spot away and then give it to Jughead, but I guess not. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of Brett. Like, literally, I just put him so outside and far away from my mind as I could. I mean, he may look cute on his IMDb page, but I cannot forgive the asshole that his character was in Riverdale. Very true, and I think that's for the best. It haunts me that I can still think of him. (laughs) God, at least we're not talking about Donna. Donna and her weird eyebrows and her misworn clothes and is she good or is she bad or... Why is she lying? Yeah. Okay, let's just not even waste any more time on them. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I wish that they had shown us that conversation between uh, Betty and Jughead about going to Yale. And you're totally right. You know, to reuse a favorite saying of mine, you've hit the nail on the head. That would have created the right amount of, you know, gravitas to let Betty kind of veer off and and fall into Archie's arms. That would have given it more meaning than this conversation about Betty pressuring him to finish off all his stuff, which she would never do. But again, they had to fit that in there and they clearly don't have us as writers and story developers on their team. Maybe they should. A mistake on their part, for sure. Yeah, I even think that that conversation and maybe Betty's... Because it seems like right now Betty has no guilt for taking Jughead's spot. Maybe it's because they're fine with it, or maybe it's because she thinks that this is her. this should have been her spot any, regardless. Like, this was rightfully her spot from the beginning, but um, because of prejudices before they passed on her... Um, so maybe that's why this isn't a conversation, but I just think it would have been a great starting off point for her pressuring him to do better in school and be really active and on top of it because she's like guilty that she took his spot, which wasn't either of their faults. And now she wants to make sure that he'll be okay and be able to go to a good school because she quote unquote took it. And then it divulges into that whole fight and then she goes to even her going to Archie and being like I feel so bad because Jughead's gonna resent me for taking his spot from Yale like that's a really interesting conversation but alas we didn't get it (laughs) a missed opportunity just like a missed opportunity having us on the development team hey if anybody from the CW is listening and wants to hire us not to write the episodes but to critique and to offer feedback on the development of the storyline we are available 
Um, sure, we both work full time elsewhere, but we are still available. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'll add a fourth job. <laughs> right. What's an extra job or two? That's that's fine. We can handle it. We're pros. What was your first note on this whole episode? Where did you start? Oh, well, my first note was the Madchen note, the directing note, but my next one is funny. So <laughs> from Riverdale and then also Sabrina, and this also occurs in Zoe's uh, Extraordinary Playlist on NBC, um, I've noticed that there is this trend of like main women wearing sweaters that are cropped and have short sleeves. And they're so cute. We see Betty in them all the time. Sabrina wears them and Zoe wears them in their uh, respective shows. And I just think that short sleeved crop sweaters are fake and are created for TV and movies and they don't make them anywhere else because I can never fucking find those sweaters and they're so cute and it makes me mad. (laughs) Okay, so first things first, I've actually randomly started watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I'm about four episodes in of season one. I'm not sure it's for me, but it's certainly something that I enjoy having on, at least in the background, if I'm not watching it. You know, I'm listening to it and things like that. So yes, enjoying it so far. We'll keep you updated to tell you how I feel about it as we move forward in the story. Second of all, I know, at least in Australia, where you can get those cropped short sweaters from. It's from one of my absolutely favorite stores in Australia called Dangerfield. It also goes um, by a company name called Princess Highway. I have so many of their things. They're really cute. They're a little vintage. But yes, I don't know how they disperse their dressers for the different shows on the CW network or, you know, similarly themed or styled shows, but I'm sure they've got the same costumer for all of them. Well, Zoe's, Zoe's is NBC. So maybe, I don't think the CW and have and NBC have too much, I don't know if they have too much crossover, but for sure for Sabrina and, um, and Riverdale maybe because similar universe, but actually now that I'm thinking about it, they're all different networks, Netflix, NBC, I don't know, whatever. I just think TV in general has this cache of short-sleeved cropped sweaters that are so cute that they, and are solidly colored for the most part, like just one solid color, and they just steal them from all of us. And I think it's really unfair, and I think we should riot. (laughs) Well, you probably look much more adorable than I do in something like that. I don't wear crops of any shape and size, regardless of how much they show, because Number one, I am fairly big busted and I find that they make me look even bustier. And especially in self-isolation has not helped this. I've got a little tummy on me at the moment. So the thought of showing any of that until I get back to feeling more like myself again, the thought of it is, is too much to bear. That would prohibit me from wearing a cute little one. But I could totally see you in it. I think you would absolutely rock it. We need to find you one. I know. And it's even harder since I'm plus sized. And I mean, (laughs) talk about tummies. I got a tummy, but I like the cropped like t-shirts or top and then high-waisted look just because of my proportions. You don't see any of my stomach when I wear a cropped, when I wear the correct crop top. If I had a crop top where you could see some of my stomach, it would be so short. (laughs) Like just because of where, how my hips are just doesn't quite show. So I think it's the I, I prefer that cut, which is why I want those short-sleeved crop sweaters. But alas, we can move forward. This note took up a lot of time. <laughs> no, it's okay. I understand. There's something that you want in life and you're not able to get it and you're upset. It's like me and a Nintendo Switch right now. Girl, I got to play Animal Crossing, but I can't get a Switch anywhere. They just released some Switch lights and I was like, ooh, I really want the big boy though. Do I, do I go for the light and just so I can get my Animal Crossing fix. Yes, you're right. We digress in true fashion. <laughs> I totally feel that. And I uh, there's this um, comedian improviser 
person, Ali Beardsley, who is looking for a switch right now as well. And they're documenting their experience of trying to find one online. It's very funny because I think they're going through like Craigslist and stuff like that too, or like the Facebook market or whatever. And every time they find someone who has one, it's like a teenage boy. And like, they don't know that they're talking to like a kid until like the kid comes back and is like, I have to ask my mom first. (laughs) And it's just really funny. That's hysterical. Well, I did speak to Best Buy the other day, and they said that more are coming uh, middle of this month. So I think I can live until then. Uh, One of my favorite moments from this episode was the moment where they realized that only Archie and Jughead are going to prom. And then, you know, Archie jokingly says, hey, Jughead, want to be my plus one? And Jughead's like, yeah, the relationship the um gosh the the sense of humor that is delivered between the two in those two lines you can tell those boys are friends outside of filming the it's it's just too organic yeah I totally agree that moment was super funny and yeah it just was like really like familiar with one another they acted like real best friends which they don't always do and it's not their fault it's just the way that Things are written and they're not given a lot of screen time together. Um, But that's something I really loved about this episode, regardless of if it was fake or real interactions, um, like in fake as in like the story, like the separate storyline and then IRL, um, they all were together. And that was really nice. Like, I really loved seeing them all together. And yeah, that moment was was super cute. And Jughead being like, but I don't put out on like the first date or something like that. It was very sweet. It was. I just, I just loved it. It was really nice. And I was like, yay, there is nothing I like more than knowing the people you work with on a TV show like that are actually friendly in real life. And I think um, whilst they're both, you know, really good and strong actors, I don't know if that moment would have been so organic if they weren't as friendly as they are. Yeah, for it, or if it would be between two other people, it, it just really worked. That was that was very nice. I really like the overall tone of this episode too, and I guess that's that's to do a lot with um, Madchen's directing. But yeah, the the use of slow motion and stuff, um, the soundtrack even was awesome. There was one shot that I was like, whoa, that was jarring. And I get what they were trying to do, but I don't think it was achieved. Um, Betty has just finished reading Jughead's story. And then they're talking about, um, you know, what did Mr. Honey say? It's, it, I'm sort of jumping towards the end. And Jellybean comes in and goes, hey guys, you know, um, this was left on the doorstep and it's another video. So the camera angle, and let me see if I can kind of describe this versus you seeing it visually. The camera is from Betty's point of view. So it's facing Jughead uh, and it's a medium close up, which basically means that, uh, you know, it's kind of from bust up. Then all of a sudden, when Jellybean comes in, instead of them cutting to a shot where she's coming in, they pan the camera really quickly. So it's like a snap action to show that jelly beans at the door and it was totally totally jarring i i did not like that and the filmmaker in me was was like no what was that and even the second time i watched this episode through i was like oh no don't like that at all hmm interesting i didn't really notice that one but i i agree though in general that a lot of the other choices in this were really interesting and and nice but next time i i watch it i'll have to look out for that for that moment. Yeah, just a little jarring. And again, you got to remember that I'm watching it partly as an actress and then partly as a producer slash director. So I tend to notice those things, whereas other people would just be like, cool, jelly beans here now, you know, whereas I was like, whoa, what was that angle? Or what's up with that lighting? Or, you know, that focus was off or whatever. But yeah, it was just jarring. So that's my only sort of criticism on the aesthetic properties of this episode. Yeah, I get that. Um, Do you have a a next note? Sure. Well, you know what? I can actually um, continue on on this train, actually, uh, because in terms of, again, aesthetic 
things this episode. Uh, stuff like both times actually. So I think it was done intentionally to kind of um, reinforce the severity of the situation. Both times when uh, Mr. Honey was, well, first time when he was being wheeled out of his office after being glued to his seat um, by Reggie and the boys. And then the second time when he's actually fired and he exits his office with, um, you know, his box full of stuff. Both times, Madchen's used um, slow motion. She's used, I don't want to call it a Dutch angle because if anybody uh, out there listening is a filmmaker, you know what I mean by, you know, a traditional Dutch angle. But there was some angle to the camera but also the soundtrack that they overlaid over that. Both songs immediately I was like, whoa, I want to get this soundtrack. She she used really clever filmography as well as, you know, audio to really nail home this episode. I just, yeah, I think for her first ever directorial debut, it was perfect. Yeah, all the love to Madchen for this episode because – it's very cool, too, that although this wasn't intended for the finale, and it's, you know, it's not a finale in terms of what finales really feel like, but that's a little pressure for it then to turn into a finale, and I think she did a really good job with it. Exactly, and I think that her work could have been overshadowed by the fact that the fans are like, what? That was the finale. What happened to all the big reveals and everything like that? But anyway, I do have a theory about where they're going with this Boyer story, but I want to hold on it until towards the end. I think it's more important we go chronologically through the story. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sounds good. I'm glad you have an idea because maybe something will come up while we chat about it, but I, I still don't think I really know uh, where this is going to go. Um, when I have, I have thoughts on Betty during this episode. She felt weird this episode. Like, the whole joke of like killing Mr. Honey, that that was her original idea, could have been, I could see it being read as a joke, but I don't think, it's maybe the first time I've had issue with Lily's acting. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was the direction of the moment or, or moments in this episode, or if it was something written or if it was just a weird choice that got looked over but the way that she says like or we could just kill him and then like later on she's like I think we should like I think it would have been better if we just killed him or something like that I, those lines just read really weird to me did how did you feel about those moments exactly the same way um so initially I was like oh maybe they're doing something with dark Betty and this is how she's choosing to come out but then I was like huh this is weird. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I can understand her second comment of, eh, I still think it would have been easier to kill him. But the the first mention of it was very jarring. It was not something I expected her to say. It was not something I expected any of them to say. Um, I think it would have been better if maybe she said something along the lines of what she says second, which is, um, or we could just scare him so bad he wants to leave town. So I think if she had been like, um, if she had said that, and then Cheryl followed up with something like, eh, I think we should just kill him. It would be easier. And everyone's like, oh, Cheryl. <laughs> so then when they're watching later, when he's wheeled out of the chair, uh, wheeled out of his office on the chair, Cheryl could have gone, see, told you what would have been easier to just kill him. And that I think would have added more humor to the sec to the um, the scenes. I think Betty was the wrong person to instigate. I think that should have been, if not one of the boys, I think that should have been Cheryl. Yeah, it was a weird choice. I I don't even know who I could see saying that in such a like serious way, where it made me question for a moment if this was actually where they were going with it. I don't know. It was weird. I don't, it was weird. It was weird. I like the episode in general, but I just thought maybe that was a bit out of character for Betty. I did too. You're not alone in your thought for that. I think that was the only way that they could get to the point of what, you know, the, 
the story version of what they did. You know, they, they, she says the comments so they can get to that part of the episode. But I don't know whether she was the right person to say that. I, yeah, thought it was weird too. Yeah, I totally agree. My next note is, is really stupid. Um, but I was like, really? It's so loud. It was enough to wake Betty up. Jughead just got a new computer, courtesy of Stonewall and the twats that, that go there. So when he's up and he's typing, why is it making so much noise? I had so many issues with the ADR for that scene. I, it's a new computer. It shouldn't make that much noise. The only thing I can think is that he was just so inspired by this story idea, which clearly his energy of this scene shows. And he's just typing away on the computer. But it was so loud and so like obnoxiously loud. And I don't know whether you know this about me, Heidi, but I've got misophonia, which is an, it's like a um, anxiety driven um, trait where instead of your brain processing sound as being like, Hey, that person clicking the pen is really annoying. Whatever. It goes straight to rage so it's like, why is this person doing this to upset me? I'm going to like murder them if they don't stop. Now, I only have a very like, they go level one to five, I think. I'm like a level one. I know somebody who's a level five and she's real scary. But my misophonia like jumped at this point and was like, why is he making so much noise? Why is the laptop making that much noise? To the point where I had to go back and watch that scene again because I was like, cool, didn't hear anything because I couldn't get over how aggressively the keyboard sounded. I actually did know that about you. I don't remember what the context was for for it, but I remember you talking about it in New York when we were still in-person friends. <laughs> um, but I do remember that. And yeah, that makes sense. The, it, that was loud. I think it was just overzealous Foley, which, you know, is always fun. I yeah no not for me thankfully the second time I was able to watch it and breathe through it but I was like a new laptop shouldn't make that much noise god damn it (laughs) so literally that is what my note is um why is Jughead's brand new computer making that much noise exclamation mark question mark you know and we'll we'll never know Uh, my next note is when Reggie was really talking up his prank. He's like, I have an idea for what we can do for, (laughs) to get back and Mr. Honey. And it's going to go down in best senior pranks ever at Riverdale High. And it's just going to be the biggest prank ever. And it's going to be awesome. And I was like, okay, well, shit, what's, what's, what's Reggie going to do right now? Are they going to like reassemble his car on this, you know, on the roof or something like that? Like what's going down? And then it's just that they super glued him to all the stuff in his office. I'm like, Reggie, that's a lame prank. (laughs) Not going down in history books. It was a very old school prank. And I think somebody even said, oh, you know, it's like classic or it's, it's like a, you know, way back then prank or something like that. But at first, I didn't understand what had happened. When he sat down in the chair, which obviously was covered in glue, I was like, huh? And then I was like, oh, maybe he's stuck? And then when he picked up the phone and the look on his face, when he's like, oh, my God, now my hand's stuck. Um, I'll have to ask my husband because he's in the building industry. What kind of glue is that strong that the second you sit down or the second you touch it, that's it, you're stuck? Because every glue that I know, like, you can, if you, even if you touch it quickly, you, you can still pull your hands off. Yeah, that's very true. I have no idea. I have no idea how someone would pull this off. Um, but it does seem like that's scary because, like... Yeah, there are like chemicals and there are things that if you do get glued to something, you can use them and it'll, you know, it can separate them. But I think there was an episode of Grey's Anatomy where that happened to two like teenage kids who like glued their arms together because one of them was going to move, like move away and they were like dating and they didn't want to. Um, Adorable. So they, very cute. So that's that's something I've seen before. But if it's that intense, I feel like you would probably get some sort of reaction to the chemical that takes it off. 
or whatever, or even just to the glue. Like, he could lose, like, the skin on his hand. And since it was on his, like, bottom on the chair, he could have probably just taken off his pants. Like, he probably could have gotten out of that chair, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. But would it have been as entertaining? But think about it. Then, instead of being just wheeled out of the school, he would have had to take off his pants and walk through the school halls in his underwear. Yeah, that would have been way funnier. He's got a phone stuck to his hand. He's like being walked out by people and he's under he's in like heart-shaped underwear or whatever. Like <laughs> that's funny. All right. Okay, another missed opportunity then for Riverdale. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. That's too funny. Yeah. But I mean, to their credit, he did walk around the rest of the episode with a um a tape around his hand so obviously there was some kind of injury but yeah glue like that if it's if it's that easy to glue like to stick to somebody's skin I mean it was probably like had some kind of acid or something it probably like ate through his skin if it was that potent yeah and just think of his poor butt (laughs) uh I'm okay thank you you can think of his butt I'm gonna be I mean yeah I'm yeah yeah no (laughs) so my next note is when okay so obviously they go back and forth and back and forth about prom's cancelled no it's not okay we're gonna kill mr honey no we're not this whole episode okay so when um kevin i think it was calls betty and archie into um Mr. Honey's office and Charles is there and Mr. Honey's like, oh, you know, this video was dropped off and scandal, scandal, scandal. I've got no choice but to cancel prom. Like after everything they've gone through with their parents and everything, which I'll get to in a minute because that was freaking brilliant, that scene. Um, you could tell very obviously that Mr. Honey was lying. So Okay, say what you will about Mr. Honey. I've got issues with that. But he was not trying to do the right thing by these students. I know, like, Ms. Bell is all like, oh, I've been a secretary at this school for 30 years and he was the best principal we've ever had. Okay, I call bullshit on that because despite whatever good work he had done for that school... The second he decided to be a copycat and scare the kids and pose as this lawyer was the time that all of those good deeds were undone. So, yeah, no, no. I just, I I call bullshit on that before, like, the first time I watched through the episode. I was like, well, he's clearly lying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was clearly lying about the tape. It was clearly, like, so clear. Like, this guy is crystal clear. Um, Which is why then trying to redeem him in that, like, short-term way at the end of the episode is so fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, I have so... I enjoy this episode overall. That is my main issue, is the Mrs. Bell bullshit. That was absolute bullshit to me um but the reason why it feels like that too is because he's so crystal clear yeah so he's like there's a copycat or or there's not he doesn't say there's a copycat there's a video and the school's in danger that was just bullshit it's so it's so clear it's clear as day and them trying to redeem him in like 20 minutes without having shown us actually any of the things i don't care I don't care if behind the scenes he was a good dude. I don't give a shit about that. Because, okay, it's great about the scholarships for those kids. It's great about helping, you know, kids pay for school. It's That's awesome. That's great. But if everyone in your school is miserable because you're an asshole and you're not allowing kids to be kids, that's bullshit. And I don't think he's trying to protect the kids by not having prom it's prom. If you don't have prom, then all the kids are going to do stuff outside of school where you're not able to take care of them, where they could get more hurt, they could drink, they could, you know, get in contact with whoever this voice... They're up to way more mischief that way. If you just have prom and have them all here, then you can take care of them and you can make sure it's safe for them and make sure that they have a safe and fun experience under your roof of sorts. Yeah. I'm pissed about all that stuff. That stuff is bullshit. Me too. And you know who else is pissed? 
my foster dog, Louie, who decided he's going to come sit on my lap while we're recording and um, clean himself. So if you hear some very unsavory sounds over here, <laughs> it is not me. It is my dog. But yeah, it was complete and utter rubbish. 20 minutes is not enough time to undo a season's worth of damage. And I'm sorry, what, you're just going to redeem him quickly so then they feel bad when they see the video of him potentially being murdered? I, I mean, no, no. He was a bad person. He was a bad person. He was two-dimensional at best the entire season and now you expect me as the viewer to feel sorry or be like oh he really was a good guy no also I'm sorry if Miss Bell has been the secretary there in the front office for as long as she says why have we never seen her before why is this only like the second episode she's ever been in so bullshit 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 yeah, it's all it's all dumb. And also, oh, he's such a good person. And then he goes and brags to the kids about like getting a raise in uh, moving to Stonewall Prep and also going to Stonewall Prep of all schools where there were actual murderers. Like, okay, sir. Okay, have fun over there. Also, if they can give me a reason as to how how he was protecting the students by not allowing them to sing songs from a musical that he didn't like? I'm sorry. You're not protecting them. They can already listen to it and sing those songs at home as much as they want. You're not protecting them by not allowing them to do it in a public forum. You're just fucking not, dude. Ugh, it's so stupid. Also, if he's such a great person, why is he going to Stonewall Prep, which has literally been proven to be the worst place on the face of the earth? He's not going to fix that school. That school is evil. End up. Yeah, I mean, maybe he will since, I mean, he doesn't even need to fix it because most of those kids who were involved in the whole murder plot are graduating who ran. Yeah, graduating or ran from the school, like ran out of the country for some of them. Like, they're not even there anymore. So I don't think everyone in the school is evil. It was those kids mainly and the teacher and whatever else. But yeah, man, it's he's an issue and I hate him. <laughs> and also, let's not forget, Jonathan's body is buried somewhere out there because they killed him because he was going to spill the beans. So I don't know, maybe Mr. Honey will find him and that will be great. And then Jonathan's family can have closure. Lord have mercy. Gosh. Well, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about this episode, which I just loved, was the kids going to their parents when there was a problem. First of all, I'm like, bravo, you finally, yes, it was manipulative and you were trying to, you got what you were trying to get out of going to your parents. But finally, you are acknowledging that your children and this is out of your hands and you're going to the grown-ups for help. And they, oh, that scene where they're all walking down the hall. I was like, yes, you better work. Yeah, that moment was great. And it was, it's been a long time coming. They don't go to their parents, especially collectively as a whole. Like some of them go to their parents and confide in their parents for things. Mostly Archie, it feels like, um, like goes to his mom or in the past his dad um, for advice and things like that. But never as a whole have they done this. And I'm also shocked that they didn't do this sooner. You didn't tell your parents when it happened that you were barred from the prom. I feel like any parent would have issue with this. I can't imagine, like if, if, Unless he really did something bad, if my nephew was banned from the prom for a reason like in Riverdale that is just innocuous and stupid, I would burn that school down. Like, I would have issue with that. So uh, I liked this moment as well. It was very, it was very nice to see them all together. Agreed. And I did have one funny thought. And I wonder if the same thought crossed your mind or if it's just, it just happened in my weirdo brain. But okay, so... Um, Alice is obviously heading the, the march down the hall. Then you've got, um, uh, Mary and you've, oh, did you hear that? Oh yeah, I did. That little sneeze or something. That was my dog. <laughs> he sneezed. I apologize. 
So when Alice is walking down the hall, she's got um, Hermione and she's got Mary and then everyone else is kind of behind. I, at one point, I think it was the second watch through. The first watch through, I was like, I think. And then the second watch through, I was like, oh, God. At one point, each of those women have been involved with Fred Andrews. Did you realize that? I didn't think about that, but that is very true. They all have. That's that's weird. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> So obviously Mary is the ex-wife. Uh, Alice and he shared a kiss uh, during that flashback episode of when they were kids. And then you've got Hermione who had an affair with him while Hiram was in prison. I just was like, ah, this is hysterical. What's the common denominator? Not the kids, but RIP Fred Andrews. And I don't think... I don't think Mary and Fred ever got fully divorced. They always talked about it like they were separated and it was very amicable, but I don't think they ever got fully divorced from one another, which is was kind of weird, but she now is a widow uh, of him because I, I don't think they did get divorced. Well, she's now also dating another woman, so she's really done a 360 regardless of if she got divorced from Fred or not. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously <laughs> she's definitely not with Fred anymore, like for multiple reasons. <laughs> Ooh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> I'm sorry, my humor is dark. I absolutely loved um Mr. Keller and uh FP when Honey's like, and you guys are? And they're like, oh, we're just the muscle. I was like, you're so hot. Yeah, it was definitely a moment of, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're the muscle. And talking about like FP and Hermione for a second, they are both... You did you read the, about those those actors? FP and Hermione, like the the actors who play those, you know, Skeet and I don't know, I don't know her name. No, uh, what are they dating? No, no, no. They okay. Then I'll I'll say this because I think it's it's not a spoiler because it it was out. It's been out for a long time, and I think it's going to be interesting interesting to see what they do now because this was forced to be the finale, but they. This was supposed to be both of their last seasons. They announced that they were leaving the show. No! No! Yeah. Skeet! Yeah, yeah. Season four was supposed to be both of their last seasons, so the the next few episodes that should have been would have probably been their way of writing them out some way or another, Um, which is going to be interesting. But I'm wondering what's going to happen next season. I think they will come back to be written off. Um, but it might not happen the way it was, you know, meant to be originally. But yeah, both of their last seasons were supposed to be this one. So hopefully we get a few more episodes with them in the far future. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. No, I had no idea. I love the fact that I'm like, are they dating? And you're like, ah, no, they're leaving. Okay, so Hermione is an easy workaround because she's not in every episode, which surprises me that she wants to leave in general. Uh, It could be perhaps because they shoot in Canada and because, you know, she probably has to fly back and forth between the states and Canada. Who knows? She could have family. She could have another job lined up. But FP, how are they going to work that around that? Like... Oh, God, please, please don't kill him off. There's no way I could handle that. And, you know, finally, he and Alice are together after all this time, after, you know, they've now found Charles and everything. Oh, no, 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 no. I really hope he reconsiders. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, maybe they both will reconsider because after maybe, uh, you know, the woman who plays Hermione, I can't think of her name. Um Maybe she was, you know, leaving for another project or other projects or things like that. And maybe those things won't happen now because, you know, because of the state of the world. So uh, who knows? Maybe they will both stay for a bit longer. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, I don't see a way to get rid of FP other than death. (laughs) Because if he leaves, if he leaves Alice and both of his kids... Or just even maybe he takes Jellybean to go back to, like, his wife. I hate that. I don't want that to happen. Like, his ex-wife or wife. I don't know if they're still married. Um, 
but Jughead's mom, like, that would be awful. I hate that. <laughs> Marisol Nichols is the name of the actress who plays uh, Hermione. So I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, this whole uh, COVID-19 has just jarred the whole world. So we won't really be able to make heads or tails of anything for a while, I don't think. So who knows? Hopefully, hopefully. Like I said, we can we can cover Hermione leaving because she's not in every episode, but FP, it's going to have to be something tragic. And I just don't think we should do that not after, um, you know, Fred's departure and everything like that. That's true. It is so soon after that, that that's going to be hard if that's the way that it goes. But I mean, since, you know, these, any new episodes won't be coming out for a while, maybe it'll be better then. (laughs) Who knows? Oh God. I know. But you think about like the time of the time that will pass in actuality and how that doesn't, pass between episodes of Riverdale as easily when they do start season five if if um, Skate is all of a sudden not seen it's going to be jarring regardless of how much time has passed in the real world or not but I guess we'll cross that bridge when when we come to it when and if we come to it because I'm going to put that positivity out into the world that he's not going to go anywhere because we just lost one great dad I don't want to lose another. Yeah, I agree. The only good dad we'll have left is Kevin's dad, Mr. Keller. I mean, he's so fine, though. Like, I'm I'm about that that silver fox. He's good looking. I mean, I agree. He's a, he's a handsome gentleman. It is weird, though. Dads don't last in Riverdale. I won't make any more jokes. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I literally was just about to be like, Heidi, what did I tell you? Too soon. Too soon. Stop. No more. Bad girl. I was mostly thinking of Mr. Blossom because he was the first one, you know? Oh, okay. That's not where my mind went, but sure. Yep. I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Do you have any more notes? I have two more notes. One is just like a offhand comment, but Jughead's hair in this episode and the last one got so long. I don't know. It just suddenly is so long, like peeking out under his hat and stuff. I don't know. Just notice that. And then my other note is kind of an issue with this episode because Kevin is in all of the real life like group antics that happened in this episode, but then he's cut out of the fictional ones. And I was like, Kevin's left out of even the fake storylines? What the fuck? That's hysterical. Although he was brought in just at the end after they quote unquote uh, murder Reggie. You know, Kevin's there and uh, while they're all crying around the locker and stuff. So he was there. He just wasn't directly involved. But isn't that always the way? Poor Kevin. He's not directly involved. Yeah, poor Kevin. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Well, that's why they gave him that whole episode of um, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Wicked Little Town. So they could kind of be like, all right, let's put Kevin in for a bit. Let's give him some screen time. I mean, I'm always going to say justice for Kevin. I need more of him. Uh, it's never enough. And then cue that song from, <laughs> that I won't sing, but that song from, uh, what, what the fuck is that movie? Greatest Showman. This is me? No, no, no. Never enough. Never enough. Oh, that's beautiful, Heidi. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Were they your two notes? Because I only thought you did one. Well, the Jughead's hair was a separate note, but it's a—it's just like a little weird thing that I noticed. His hair just felt so long. I don't know. I will never forget. There's this amazing TV show. It got canceled, but thankfully they knew in time that they were getting canceled. So they were able to wrap up the whole series. It was called Haven. It was on the sci-fi network here in the US. And it was about, it was based on um, the Colorado Kid by Stephen King. I loved it. I thought it was great. Season one finishes with these two men having a fight and he like punches him and he falls to the ground. Season two picks up exactly at that same spot. Now at the end of season one, one of the actors had really long hair. Suddenly when we come back from season two, his hair's all cut off. So they refilmed that final scene of season one with his short hair and picked it up as the start of season two. And I was like, no, I call 
bullshit. That is lies. I remember he had long hair. He had long hair in this season and you can't tell me otherwise. So I feel like you've had one of these moments. Yeah, and I have those all the time. Whenever I'm watching a show, especially if I'm binging it and I like super pay attention when it goes from one season finale to a new season. Um, And the one that always comes to mind is the one episode, you watch Friends, right? Yes, but I was never like every single night. I was like, oh, Friends is on. I'll just watch this episode here. So I never really had like a through storyline. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I was kind of a kid when it came out, but I do remember like it being on TV. And I remember when the finale happened, I remember watching that for sure. Um, But in general, uh, I have only really watched Friends for real as an adult, like binge watch it. And there's the season where the season finale is when Chandler proposes to Monica and the house, like the apartment is all dark and he's wearing this orange shirt. I can see it so vividly. And since um, that actor was always struggling with uh, addiction during the filming of, um, of friends, he had a lot of up and downs with his weight because when he was, uh, when he was recovering, I think he gained weight. And then when he was uh, back kind of on it again, I think he was much thinner that just kind of tends to be the case because your focus is off of food and it's more focused on whatever thing you're addicted to. Uh, And a lot of the time with uh, rehabilitation, you do gain weight because uh, you're trying to compensate for something. Um, So because of that, once I learned that he, because I didn't know, my mom had told me that he was struggling with addiction while filming Friends. But um, when I learned that and his size at the season finale where he, um, he looks perfectly healthy but like he's much heavier than when they jump back and it's the same exact scene and he's just way smaller like it must be a new shirt that they have on him because he's just like much skinnier and it's just such a funny uh funny thing to it's they don't even you can't even do anything with that like hair like yeah you could try and reshoot it or something like that but like or even put on a wig or extensions or whatever but in that circumstance like he changed his body mass you can't do anything about that And that's true of some of Judy Garland's films as well. You know, she battled her whole life with addiction and the way they treated her on set back in those days with all the diet pills and uppers and downers and everything. My goodness, it's a wonder she lasted as long as she did. But you can tell her weight will fluctuate in some of her films. I can't remember which one, but you can tell that she started the film whilst she was in rehab and, um, Sorry, she started the film while she was on, you know, whatever she was on, went to rehab, gained a whole bunch of weight, came back and shot, and you can tell uh, her weight fluctuates throughout the film. So it's it's interesting what addiction and recovery does to you. So, yeah, um, again, I know that's kind of a stretch from Jughead's hair being different, but good catch continuity-wise. Yeah, and as I was talking about it, I think maybe it's because I don't think he wore his leather jacket as much as he usually does. Maybe it's the change of uniform from the Stonewall prep. Um, Maybe that's why I noticed it more, but it definitely seemed like his hair was longer. But that was such a little note turned into such a thing. That's so us. It is, indeed. What grade would you give this episode? This is hard. I don't want to grade this episode as being a finale. It was not intended to be a finale. It's a finale now as, you know, as a result of everything going on in the world. It was not intended to be a finale. Madsen does a, she did an amazing job, this being her directorial debut. And I want to give that credit I think because of that and because of how much, and there's only really one thing that I had a major problem with, um, which I can forget about and move on from (laughs) as long as that character doesn't come back. But um, so I think I'm going to give it an A minus because I don't want to grade it like I would a finale. I don't think it deserves that. I completely agree. It's not fair to the incredible work that Madchen did this episode. It's not fair to the season at all. So I will do the same thing. Before I do, I completely forgot to mention that, you know, the conspiracy that I said, I think, I think I've like worked out where this is all going. Yes, yes, yes. We can't finish without, without that. Yes. I know. I completely forgot. So before I give my grade, let me quickly tell you what I think. So the very end of this episode, 
obviously Betty and Jughead are watching this videotape in which a whole bunch of people dressed up as them and their friends murder somebody that looks like Mr. Honey or who's wearing a Mr. Honey mask. I think, and we toyed with this uh, on last week's episode, I think you're right about the farm. I think these are the minions of the farm who maybe are underground and are still trying to torment people because we went from one person and one person, two people and one person, to now a whole bunch of people. And the only place I know that has that many people is the farm. That is a very good point because I don't think the only other like group is the Stonewall group, but their numbers were four at first and then they killed off one of their own and was three. So that doesn't work with this now. And I think they have all spread out to the wind and I'm hoping that we're done with them. I don't think random Stonewall prep kids are going to join in the story now. I don't think that makes sense. So yeah, that, yeah, I fully see that. It's an interesting, it's interesting to think about. And I'm still curious if Mr. Honey's going to have a connection to it somehow. I don't know. We'll have to kind of see where it goes. But yeah, them revealing that it was not just one or two people, that it is this big group of people is so scary. Like, who are these people? What is happening? And is Mr. Honey really dead? My gut is saying, yes, he is. That's why they had to try and redeem him because otherwise the audience would be unsympathetic that he really was a good guy down deep down and and now he's dead. But anyway, we'll wait and see on that. As to my rating for this episode, um, I give it an A. I really liked the the tone of it. I loved the filmography of it. Um, the story was really interesting. Like I said, I was able to connect the overall storyline of this episode to that movie, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which I have to admit, I watched countless amounts of times when I was younger because I really did enjoy it. So it was like a nice all-rounder for me. But yes, if this was the finale, my grade would be much lower. But in this instance, it's much higher because we're not grading it as a finale because it wasn't their fault. What would Betty do this episode? Betty would embrace her dark side a little bit, <laughs> like, but not enough to go full dark Betty, but it's a little, it's a little different. Uh, it's a little strange, but she would also be so supportive and she would allow Jughead the space to do the writing he needs to do, support him in his writing and read all of his stuff. And then she would also kind of crack the case on Mr. Honey a bit uh, and really put us where we need to be now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, because she didn't go all the way dark. She just went a little bit dark to kind of push the storyline along. So, yay Betty, but don't murder. Murder is bad, even hypothetical murder. Yes, very much so. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, like I mentioned earlier, we're just as much in the dark as you all are. So any kind of updates we will post on social media, more than likely on our Facebook page. In the meantime, if you guys hear anything and you haven't heard from us, email us. It is bettysquared2, the number two, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your theories and and insider information. Uh, And we'll do the same. We'll keep you in the loop. Until then, uh, stay safe. And we'll catch you next time for another episode of Betty Squared. Bye. Bye.